Hello, how are you? <laughs> Hi, I'm good. Sorry, confused myself. <laughs> I know, right? Um, poor Des. She's it's eight o'clock or something. Eight thirty. Eight o'clock in um, twenty past eight. Twenty past eight. And I'm at the other end of the day, yeah, PM, and it's like 6.30 a.m. for me and I'm dancing with all this energy and poor Des is like, oh, God. <laughs> um, I actually have a tattoo on my ankle that my best friend and I have. It's a, it's a symbol of a sunshine and daisy because she used to get really angry at me that I was a morning person and she was not a morning person. When you started that thing of like, I got a tattoo, I'll be like, oh, you got a tattoo with my name on. You're like, yes, <laughs> yes I love you, Des. I love you. I'm your number one fan. <laughs> um, so Des is another one of my in, uh, internet friends. As you can tell, oh, I, I haven't really let her talk yet. So you probably can't tell, but she's got a little accent. Um, <laughs> and she was one of the first people that I connected with when I felt was falling back in love with social media and realizing that it was a really nice place of there was some really good information coming out. It wasn't all about thrashing our bodies. There was a space in there that was, yeah, spitting out good information and Des and I connected. Des, who are you and how did we connect? So I'm the founder of Pieces Oracle. Um, and we just, yeah, I guess we connected through the similar kind of beliefs we had around balancing hormones and PCOS and exercise. Uh, so through our beliefs and the kind of knowledge we were sharing through Instagram and social media, I guess we connected. You came on my podcast, like, I think it was like around this time last year. So it's Probably. been a while. <laughs> and then, yeah, I guess we just, you know, you just connect more and you become, I guess, friends online. Yeah. Sounds a bit weird, but like, no way. <laughs> online friends <laughs> I um ran into I was in Newcastle recently which is on the east coast it's just north of Sydney here in Australia and I have another internet friend and I was it was you know we went to watch the sunrise on the beach and this girl was sitting on the beach and I was like I know her and again it was one of the girls or the women that I'd connected with over social media and I walked up to her and I was like hey and she looked at me and she was like hey and it's this really weird like oh my god I know you and I know you so well but I've never seen yeah. you in the flesh before life, yeah. <laughs> um which is that you know what I don't know about you but I had a really lonely childhood not in terms of like I just felt you know misunderstood and almost like depressed and angsty mm -hmm. and again like the internet like just opened that world and so you could connect with people that were like you and that got along with you and that you had mutual things in common with yeah it definitely is incredible like the power of social media like I feel like there's this good and bad side to it um, 100% but when you get to the good side and you connect with people that are similar to you and they going through the same kind of journey as you you can really bond and support each other through the difficult stuff you learn from them you know you really do get connected despite you might not actually know the person in real life. You do get that connect, you get connected and you do feel like you are kind of friends. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, that's an interest. Like we're probably going to start at the wrong end of the conversation, but you know, because, you know, you and I think about the human body and health a little bit differently and not even differently anymore because more and more people are talking about it. Let's just say we're, we're ahead of our time. Um, 
you know, did you find when you started speaking your message to social media, did you find that it was met with a lot of resistance? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Because I feel like when I first started, I was still unaware of what the best approach was for me. So when I was sharing things that were working for me, everybody was like, we're talking about this person says that or I did this and it doesn't work for me. Like you're just chatting like BS. Um, so yeah, it's like it you're all- the devil. You're you're lying. But meanwhile, yeah. you're like, this is my experience. How, how am I lying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, like, we always try to uh, preface it by saying, like, it did, this approach worked for me. And I guess, like, from, like, the change in approach that we took and how we look at things now, because I guess when we started, it was a bit different to maybe a few years down the line when we actually, you know, developed more of our knowledge and actually experimented more. Things definitely flipped and you realise what you were doing wasn't, maybe the best approach but it did still work but you realize how the, your, you know your metabolism worked how your hormone actually worked through you know research so a lot of the stuff I was doing at the beginning I could pick a few things and be like oh I shouldn't have done that I should have done this instead so um yeah but you didn't know so with, that without trying that first yeah exactly and it's sure like being willing to like experiment by yourself and be willing to always um like pay attention to things and be willing to accept when something isn't working and be like look it's not working I have to I have to maneuver I have to change something and not just be like this person did it like ex-influencer for PCOS does this and it like it works for that I mean she is like she knows PCOS like I have to follow everything she says like if it doesn't work for you it doesn't work for you it's like it's fine yeah like yeah. we're all different just because yes it's like a one kind of condition we as human beings have differences hundred percent a hundred percent no and I think that's why I found it really hard to talk about PCOS in the beginning because I was like how do I talk about this in a in a roundabout sense when there are so many different facets to it and I think there's also there's a little bit of identity to PCOS some women Mm. that have it or people that have it sort of say oh I've I've got PCOS and it's this condition that they've got for life. It doesn't come from a place of curiosity. And I think that if you really want, you know, like you were talking about experimenting with things and understanding how things work, um, you need to come from a place of curiosity. Yeah, I love that. I think definitely curiosity is like one of the biggest things because if you think that, yeah, I've got this diagnosis and like that's it, like I'm I'm PCOS, that's like I've labelled myself as I'm this condition, then you're not going to be like, well, is there a way to overcome it? Can I actually live without the symptoms? Can I balance my hormones? Can I restore my thyroid function? If you just be like, this is me, then I'm not curious to figure out how to address it. And you know what? I think though, and because, I mean, again, you and I both know that if you look on the internet when it comes to PCOS, there are there's so much contradicting information but there are people out there that say, hey, I don't have PCOS anymore. I got rid of my PCOS symptoms. I balanced my hormones. And maybe just because they, the way they do it isn't suitable for you or doesn't work for you, there's enough people out there saying, hey, we've gotten rid of this. Maybe, again, get curious and go, right, this isn't something I have to live with. What's my journey look like to unpacking what it is? 
And it's not an easy journey. I made that sound like it's just like pack your pack your backpack, let's go. Like it's not an easy journey. It's really awful. And especially when you start reaching out to people like influencers who have this big magic cure, it can be a really traumatic time. But, yeah, just getting curious and going, right, enough people in my circle have gotten rid of it. How can I now get curious to do it myself? Who was the first person that you, like, what was your first influence? Who, what was it? Hang on a second. Good question. <laughs> I have a cat that needs to. Um, um, what was the, like, who was the first person in your circle to, to get you curious, essentially? That's a good question because this was so long ago. I'm, like, trying to remember who it was. <laughs> it's like, I feel like it was, like, 10 years ago now, showing my age. Um, surely you have like a core person in your life that you were like oh that that person was really influential in the steps that I took I think Jessica Ash is someone who I think was really big in getting me to do more research and and go into more of like the metabolism I think she was like because I've had her a lot on my podcast and I'm always learning something new from her Mm -hmm. so I think Jessica definitely but even like if we, so if we talk about Jessica Ash, even her message has changed a lot. She's still very much yeah. pro-metabolic, but yeah. coming from a much more real approach. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Jessica Ash for you. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to say some of the people at the beginning because I don't follow their stance anymore. It's like it's what I believed and it's kind of changed do you know those those accounts that you kind of follow at the beginning, and then you realize, oh, mm, then you kind of like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but even like, I mean, yeah, and we don't have to mention names because there's, and I think I only mentioned this recently on my podcast. The reason I do what I do, and the reason I actually put my message on the internet was because I found one. There's one particular Australian that has a very big PCOS following, and I was like what the fuck is this? Like I, he, he, I've just basically said who he is, um, has this big cult following and sells lots of products. So, you know, has made a small fortune from the pain of women. And I just literally, as soon as his name came into my periphery, I saw red. (laughs) I was like, no more, no more. I'm on a mission to like change this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of why I started my podcast as well. Cause I felt like I was seeing a lot of people that like in the, the similar to that experience. And I was just like, we need to kind of state both arguments so people can see mm-hmm. both sides and then get people to look at the other side. So I feel like it's hard to sometimes be like, the way you're doing it now is wrong. <laughs> and be like, like, cause it's like, you know, there's some like foods that everybody's like oh you should avoid these I feel like uh, we have to come for it for a point of so you think these are like the best foods for PCOS and balancing hormones but like look at it from like the reason how it actually affects the body because I feel like when you just be like five foods to avoid for PCOS everyone's just like what are you talking about la, 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 la. And you just get a bunch of like negative comments you're just like whoa <laughs> okay yeah but you know what there's a really good point in that the fact that you know it's almost like Instagram is this place for um, Instagram is a place for 
kind of like, hey, this is the message that I talk about. And the fact that you and I now also have a podcast, it's like, you know what, if you want to know more, come over here. This is where we chat. This is where we get into a little bit more detail. And if you're reading this Instagram post and it doesn't resonate with you, keep scrolling. You don't have to engage with it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, what was some of the, so what were some of the early PCOS things for you? As in what I used to do? Um, no, as in like your signs and symptoms. As in my signs and symptoms. Um, so I had an irregular period. Like, like was it, it wasn't even coming. Um, I was getting hair growth, hair was thinning, uh, hirsutism. Did I say that? I can't remember I said that. <laughs> so late. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, depression, anxiety, like really bad, like OCD kind of stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just like a mixture of the physical and the mental health stuff. So it was like all... I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think that with the, like the physical and the mental, do you think that some of the mental was also driving the physical? So like the feelings and the depression. And so obviously you can't look up like, yeah, there's not an, yeah, it's like a bit of a chicken and an egg situation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think there was the element of the like mental health struggles because of the whole hormonal issues and low thyroid and all that kind of stuff. I think obviously if you're struggling with these kind of um, symptoms that impact your kind of confidence, self-esteem, it obviously doesn't help the whole depression, anxiety and low self-worth and all that kind of stuff because you're just like, <laughs> I'm already, I already feel really low. I look at my body, I'm just like, what is going on? And you just, it's like a little loop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So then you tried a whole heap of stuff, didn't really work. Then you found Jessica Ash and found some different research. How long do you think it took you to trust that what you were doing was working for you and you'd sort of gotten on a path of actually looking after yourself? I would say like within like six months to a year, I felt like things were actually, I was seeing improvements. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was seeing like my period wasn't coming back within like the six months, but like within a year I could see something starting to, something starting to happen. Yep. Um, so obviously that made me really like happy and motivated to be like, oh, if I change this, I'm almost going to get a regular cycle. My period's, you know, showing signs of coming back. So that made me really stay on course and stay committed to the whole changing diet, changing lifestyle, changing mindset. Um, so, yeah, I feel like six months to a year, you start to see some kind of improvements, but you have to be, like, consistent with the whole routine. You can't just be, like, one day I eat healthy and I exercise and, and the next day I don't do anything. And it's like a one day off, one Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not to, like, consistent to the point where you're just proper fixating and, like, you don't, you're just living your life fixating on eating a certain way. I feel like there has to be some kind of flexibility in what you do because I feel like it has to be sustainable. You can't can't take it, be taking it back to that whole diet mindset of like, this is, I have to eat chicken and rice and like that kind of fixation. 
there has to be a balance in this because it's a lifestyle it's not a diet so you have to uh, sure chicken that. and rice is in my repertoire at the moment but it's this like amazing otolingi rice and it's all got like spices in it and then we do the barbecue chicken and it's funny because I remember eating it being like oh my god I'm eating chicken and rice but it's amazing <laughs> um at least, at least season the chicken they just have like dry I know. god rest. no salt people use salt um, and butter. <laughs> so you just pulled out a really interesting point there. The consistency, like the, the idea of consistency versus fixated, like almost consistency versus, versus obsessed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really good, sorry, poor Des is like watching me dart across the room. The cat's not mine. <laughs> the cat is living with me and... <laughs> I'm not used to like it's still a kitten so it does things that it probably shouldn't so I feel like I can't leave it unattended in the house um this idea of consistency versus fixated like that idea of um living your life and being consistent and still doing things towards your health versus obsessing Mm -hmm. over the details and not living your life like that's yeah. also a really integral part, one for PCOS, but also just women's health in general, I think. Yeah, just for like mental sanity as well. <laughs> Where would you like give some examples? Give some, can you maybe give some examples in your own journey or in your own life or maybe in that of a client's where you can show consistency and progress? but it doesn't have to be fixated. Yeah, so, I mean, when I first started pre really trying to be consistent and not fixated, I was obviously eating super healthy and not going out with friends, family to a restaurant, or I was just going seven days a week to the gym and busting my ass, just trying to, you know, burn a certain amount of calories. So that was fixating that wasn't like sustainable because I had no social life I was always exhausted so in order for me to actually live my life because at that point I was probably like in my mid-20s and I just felt like I wasn't living so I was like I can't do this anymore I don't have a social life I'm not I don't really have energy to do anything else except think about food and think about exercise so I technically had like an eating disorder so it wasn't healthy so I had to figure out how I could eat well while also going out with friends and like going to the gym but also not making it this fixated thing that I have I have to always go to the gym so it's just like figuring out where are you at in your life like where are you at in your journey as well and just trying to assess what things are more crucial to me is it the eating healthy is it the exercise and then just kind of look holistic or is it connection yeah yeah so I feel like it's just yeah (laughs) it's just like it's individual that was a really hard question because it is absolutely unique to the person it's not just a this is the guidelines that you follow but I think you nailed it like you have to assess what type of where you are in your lifestyle or your life what do you want Mm. from your life right now and yes you know when you're in the deep dark depths depths maybe that was a Freudian slip there. Um, (laughs) 
Well, sometimes it can feel like it with PCOS, you know. Um, when you're in the deep, dark depths of the PCOS stuff, yeah, you know, there has to be a little bit of probably fixated because you just want out. But there's a mass like you also. So I talk about values with my the women that I work with and it's understanding what you want in life and what you appreciate. And, for example, one of my ones is connection. And so in my 20s, being fixated on not going out not and only going to the gym and only doing the things that I know were good for my health was actually really bad because I was craving this connection with people. But I was like, oh, no, I can't. It's not good for me. Yeah. So understanding those things for yourself, and it might not be like, you know, when we talk to, uh, you know, most people with PCOS are in their 20s, so there's going to be an element of socialising. But, you know, if you, you know, there are women who have already had kids that starts coming up after they've had kids. Like how can you still be the mom? How can you still do the things that you do while still looking after yourself? Yeah, and I think think there might be some... Um, necessity in creating some boundaries with people while you try and assess where you're at so that might mean for a few months you might not want to be going out drinking with your like friends or like going out to eat fast food there might be like that time where you really need to just get into the rhythm yeah. get into a routine of what does it mean like how am I going to go about doing this because I feel like if you just have like a plan and then you don't actually um, break it down and assess exactly how am I going to approach it and you just think I'm going to just eat this stuff and then like you don't really break it down I feel like it might it can help to maybe create some of those boundaries at first um, until you know how to approach things Um, because also if if you look at it as a way of just fixating and not creating some kind of lifestyle what are you going to do when you do create some balance with your hormones and start to address those symptoms what are you going to do after you like because if you've lost connection with people all right you can regain that connection but it's all about making sure that you maintain things rather than completely like I can't see anyone because of this so yeah bye bye everyone you have to figure out how you're going to weave everything in and sustain everything so that when the time does come you're just not completely like oh I've lost isolated yeah isolated you know it's just what's the saying like you know you don't get to you know people at your funeral aren't gonna go oh you know but she nailed her macros oh you know she nailed her workout routine that's not the (laughs) thing that people you know we remember the moments yeah um and like you won't remember like when you're 80 years old um with your grandkids if you have kids and whatnot you just like weighing out your broccoli and your chicken and rice yeah nobody's got time for that (laughs) Um, I will say that, you know, as before, I I kind of always loved baking, but I never had kitchen scales before I started counting macros. Having kitchen scales is such an easy tool to use when baking as opposed to like constantly measuring out stuff. It is true. (laughs) Um, but you also, there's another really good point that you brought up there. Um, you know, we, and I'm going to say this as a generalization, but women start to look at the way they're eating and they eat healthy. They often don't eat food groups or they, you know, really mm-hmm. try to control their portion sizes. 
without the knowledge of what actually the things are for their body and how it affects their body and how it fuels their body. And you, you called it wrapped up in an eating disorder. And it is so true. There are so many, especially girls in their twenties trying to eat well, quote unquote. And I know it cause it was also me like 100%. It was also me that they're like, yeah, they want to eat really healthy. So they don't eat certain things and they eat really small portions. And it is an eating disorder. You, If you can't go out with your friends and enjoy yourself without guilt and shame or prepare a meal without thinking of weight loss or, you know, how it's going to ma- affect your body in the long run, that is an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Also something that's not going to help towards understanding your PCOS symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <true>. Yeah. <laughs> do you, like, how do you see that coming up or how have you seen that come up? Well, the connection with eating disorders and PCOS. Yeah. Do you think it happens before or after as well? Like it all, almost, again, yeah. flipping back to all the information that's available on the internet, it's almost promoting the eating disorder, the disordered eating habits. Yeah. I mean, I feel like for me personally, I think for me it started when I was told by my GP to lose weight, cut carbs. Um, Cause before that I had no, like I, I wasn't thinking about calories or macros or weighing my food. So I think in that case for me, it was doctors telling you what, that you need to lose weight because it's going to help PCOS. But then also as you look through Google and Instagram, like the, the standardized recommendations are to lose weight, to cut carbs, to, you know, go on the birth control pill. That's another one. But like those two like things are recommended all the time and I'm not sure if like now people have come to the realization that that's like pretty much false information because none of them will get to the root cause of your issue um so I think they those are those that information definitely can trigger you to to develop an eating disorder because you're always just looking you develop that unhealthy relationship with food because you're always just looking, I need to lose weight. How am I going to do it? I struggle to lose weight because I've got pieces and it makes it hard to lose weight. So you become even more strict and you, you go hardcore into that diet mentality of like, I can't eat anything. I have to eat less than a thousand calories, 800 calories. And you just, you just fall into this hole of like not, not eating and you just feel miserable because you're not eating. <laughs> yeah like ending the like depression because I remember the point where when I was told by my doctor to lose weight I was pretty much eating like 800 calories as like a 22 year old like no wonder you didn't have a period exactly (laughs) and then I'm like why is my period not coming back because I'm eating 800 calories I'm not even eating enough for like a little girl eats more than me (laughs) yeah so God, you just picked up a really interesting point there. And I think you and I have spoken about this on other podcast episodes, but, you know, I remember sitting at the doctor's surgery and the doctor was sitting in front of me. The shirts were like popping on his shirt because he was so big. He had the most oily skin and he was like, you should really watch what you're eating. And I'm like, I still remember being like, how dare this man in his 50s let's say tell a girl of 20 
Like that's when, that's, you're totally right. That's how an eating disorder starts. Yeah, it is. Um, the analogy that I use just going off that, you know, when if you, you know, you've got a fuse box on your house, right? Mm-hmm. And you know when a fuse, a fuse blows and it doesn't yeah. switch the whole house out, you've just got to go and switch the switch back on. It's a safety thing, right? It's a safety feature. Yeah. It's the same with when girls are eating or women are eating 800, 1,000, 1,200 calories, a fuse has to go to just save some energy, to save the other rooms in the house. And, mm-hmm. yes, you can go and switch it back on. Yes, there's, an, mm-hmm. there's a safe way of doing it. But you're not just going to stand at the light switch and flick it on and off again to try and make it work. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's essentially. A good yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. We like, we need to start, we need to actually like walk out the door, go and find the fuse box. You know, there's effort involved yeah. in making those things happen. And if you haven't picked up on the analogy right now, generally our cycle, so either missing periods, painful periods, pimples, all of those sorts of things come from an energy deficit and not being able to understand the energy that's working in our body. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so passionate about it. <laughs> oh, it makes it's me like so once, angry. Once you realise that if, you're, if you want to have a period, if you want to have a child, um, your body needs to have a certain amount of calories and energy in order to tell signal to your, like, your brain and ovaries and whatnot that, look, it's a safe environment. If you want to reproduce, we can take care and grow a living human being inside of you. Because if, if you as an individual doesn't have enough energy, you're not consuming enough, how are you going to sustain? How are you going to grow a living thing within you? Like You can't. Like How much food is, is not? You can't. <laughs> No, and the other thing is like, and you know, some people don't want to have children. Completely fine, yeah. but even yeah. but just respecting that process, like we as females yeah. have the ability, like you said, to grow a living thing inside us. Like we have this magic portal inside us that does this thing. Yeah, we need energy. Yeah, point in case. So. Yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit more on, you know, you said that you didn't have a cycle for a very long time. And even though you were doing the work in regaining your cycle and things were, you know, your body was starting to show signs of your cycle returning, it still took nearly a year for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you mentally what were the things that you were telling yourself what was that journey that you went through from a mental support level to encourage the physical stuff as well so yeah from a mental standpoint I was as I was seeing the improvements it obviously gives you the motivation but I felt like because I was seeing people online saying that after x amount of years like similar to my case, I, it was like six years before in my period came came back. So I was looking online, people in a similar situation, they were doing X, Y, Z, you know, eating more food, et cetera, and they managed to get their period back. So there were so many like women out there who were going through the same journey and they were getting back. So I was like, if this person who's in a similar situation got her period back after doing these certain things to get her period back, 
then why can't I, why won't I be able to get it back? If I'm just consistent, kind of replicate-ish what they do, what they did, um, I'll eventually be able to get it. And I, and the thing that did keep me going also was the fact that I really wanted to, I really wanted to regain my period. I, like, I wanted to get a healthy menstrual cycle for the overall health reasons. Cause I feel like a lot of people, a lot of women lose sight of why we have a period. Like it's not just to get pregnant, but there's other important reasons. So realizing that a period isn't just that bleed, it's more important than that. I was like, oh crap, this this is this is serious. Cause you never really learn this in school. Like you never learn wh- why women have periods. Like it's, you just, you're just told, look, you're gonna have a period. You're gonna bleed. It's gonna be painful. Like, take it like take it yeah I could still it so I was just I never knew the importance of it um so I realized this is serious I need to really focus and like make it a priority in my life to get it back um and because I also wanted to at some point have kids as well so it was a really important part in my my journey so mentally like my mindset had to shift like it wasn't just about so that whole thing of like losing weight completely, I did not even care about anymore. My priority was getting to a sustainable kind of weight, eating properly, um, climb back on my exercise and just making this a priority in my life. And I didn't care what I had to do. Yeah. I guess that's a really interesting point that if, if women are fixated on that idea of weight loss, like what are you making that weight loss mean? What are you making your ideal weight mean what are you making you know the fact that if you don't lose the weight what does that mean like what does that mean about who you are as a person as opposed to you bringing your health into the forefront of your mind and being able to prioritize that what like what is to be able to do that mindset shift recognizing what's important to you and again, yeah. we're not saying that if you go on this journey and you fix your PCOS or you fix your cycle or you fix your relationship with your body that you have to gain weight and stay at that weight. Weight, Healthy weight losses are absolutely possible, but it comes from that mind mindset shift. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just it's, I feel like we tie so much importance and worth to that number and I wish once you realize how like what was your magic number Uh, what was your magic number I said not what is what was it was like I don't know uh it was like seven in the seven stones like really like below 50 kgs I guess holy moly I mean how tall are you I'm like I'm like five one so it's not I guess it's not it's not that bad but it's I wanted to also put on muscle so it's hard yeah. for me to also ha- have muscle and then be like super slim because like you know muscle weight yeah 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 um I don't know what stones are but I'm five five and my magic was my magic number was 60 same thing like I was power lifting I was crossfitting like I was doing all these things where I was like, I need to put on muscle. I need to do this stuff. Oh, but I can't put on weight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> muscle doesn't weigh anything, right? Like I could just put on muscle and the fat will. That's a really good point to probably bring up, that the number on the scale doesn't represent your body fat percentage. 
Mm-hmm. It absolutely does not represent your body fat percentage. And when you look at that number on the scale, it is not telling you how fat you are. Nope. <laughs> um, people just need to, like people, it's, it's okay to look at the weighing scales, but I also think it's more important to look at, um, look, look at yourself in the mirror. Just be like, yeah. have, I, have I made progress in the direction that I'm looking for? Um, I feel like that's more and like take pictures like progress pictures it's more valuable than but just also find looking. stuff you love about yourself like when you just said like look yeah. in the mirror look at the mirror and go you know what yeah I do have really strong legs mm, yeah I do have really strong shoulders like look at your body and go what is it that you know where where can I start to fall in love with that person staring back at me mm. um yeah. I was telling this story the other day. I had a boyfriend, an ex-boyfriend who we had to go to this um, dinner and I wore a shoe strap singlet dress and I never mm. wore like such like, cause I've always, I've always had broad shoulders and I never liked showing them off. And I said to him, I'm like, Oh, my arms look too big in this. I can't wear this. And without even thinking about it, he's like, mate, you're fucking strong. And I was like, Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> You just earned yourself a brownie point, didn't you? Um, and you know, yeah, I know. And you, so you realize that as well. That's not how other people see you when you these insecurities that you have in your yourself about your own bodies. That's not how people see you. Yeah, and the funny All thing right. is, like, everybody's so preoccupied with their own like insecurities to like look at what you look like. I have a funny story on that. I have a one of my PCOS girls, she has worked so hard in the last 12 to 18 months on all of the things. I can't, there's not like all of the things. And she has recently really gotten into her weightlifting and she always goes in the morning and she really likes going in the morning. And I, you know, if anyone listening to this, if you've ever started your gym journey, it's really intimidating it is it's a whole new environment it's a whole new thing you're learning and when you start to go at a certain time of the day you you get comfortable with it because you're like I know the people I know the atmosphere and it's this safe zone and the minute you have to go at a different time of the day it's a totally different feel anyway she had to go at a different time of the day to get her third session in and she's messaging me she's like Mel there are all these men here like I feel really uncomfortable. I'm just not going to do the squats. I'm, you know, and I'm like, no, you can actually go and ask them how long they're going to be. We had this discussion about it. She's like, okay, okay. I think one of the squat racks is where I'm going to go do my squats. I was like, okay. So she goes and sets herself up and she starts doing a squats and she's like, they just came over to me and complimented me. They said, I looked really strong. They complimented me on this, this, and this. And it wasn't from a sleazy point of view. Like they were literally commenting on her form, looking at, you know, they picked out parts of her form where they were focusing on and it made her feel really good. She's like, oh my God. Like, and you know what? She's like, I do deserve to be here. I can, like, I've worked hard to do this. And so, yeah, when people are busy focusing on their own shit or they're looking at you as a fucking inspiration going, oh, my God, that's really cool. That's, cool. Yeah. that's the thing. Like, um, the, like the gym community can be this like it's intimidating, but like it can be this good community of people actually trying to support you and bring you up and yeah. make you good. So, yeah. It's funny because I think, again, if we think about the intimidating part of it, 
it's their own insecurities that you're feeling. Mm. When you feel an intimidation in the gym, you're feeling that person's insecurities and just go, cool, I'm here to work on myself. I'm going to leave that energy with you. So, Des, is there anything else that you would like to leave with my listeners? I think the main takeaway message is to be patient on your journey. Don't, like, beat yourself up if at first you're struggling or you're in the middle of a journey and you feel like giving up or wherever you are. I feel like it's important to be patient, that consistency, and just enjoy the process even though it might suck (laughs) like it might be mentally it can impact you in you know the mental kind of ways but just don't give up on yourself remind yourself every day why you're doing what you're doing that end goal what's the core reason that you're doing this whole changing diet changing lifestyle um and that will keep you on track that's a really good one. Remember your core reason. Um, and you know what? With the, if, the, if you're really struggling with the patience thing, reach out to a coach. And I feel like, like I'm not trying to sell my services. I'm not trying to sell your services. There are a million coaches out there on the internet. Like reach out to a coach, someone you resonate with, someone you want to work with, because that's their job to hold space for you in that process. And so if you are really struggling with the proce- uh, the patience part, find someone that's going to stand with you on that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth the money over and over again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what's one book that everyone has to read? I think the one by Molly Robbins called um, Cure Your Fatigue, I think. In Cure Your Fatigue. Oh, I don't know that I've read that one. Yeah. Um, what are you watching on Netflix at the moment? Oh, why am I watching on Netflix? Or oh, it doesn't have to be Netflix. The- did you at season five? Yeah. Oh my god, we're in it at the moment. My housemates and I are watching it, but we all have different time schedules, so it's like being dragged out. And I'm like, we're at a really pointy part, and I'm like, come on, guys, I want to keep going. Um, I also watched, I also watched Alice in Borderland, but like two different kind of like shows. What is that? Alice in what? Alice in Borderland. I think what it's is, Japanese. Ah, because I haven't heard of it. Yeah, quite good. It's on Netflix. Uh, all right. I'll have to uh, take a look. Um, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And, like, again, so um, Des has the PCOS Oracle podcast. She's PCOS Oracle on the gram. And she's a really approachable person. So if you have any questions about your journey, you know what? Des also has an awesome network of people. So if you are looking for a coach and you have a particular thing, she probably knows someone. So reach out to her, have a chat. And yeah, thanks for listening. And there we have it. That was episode 23 of the Her Advantage podcast with Des. As always, if this episode was helpful or you enjoyed it, please share it with someone else that you think might find it useful. And as always, also, Des and I would love to hear your takeaway. So slide into our DMs and let us know. Until next time.